Well, good morning. If any of you have known me more than probably a day, you know that I'm a, a huge baseball fan, more specifically a Detroit Tigers baseball fan, but I'll take baseball in almost any way that I can get it. In fact, um, this past summer, my son and I were driving out west. We were going through Denver, found out the Rockies were in town. I made sure to get tickets and, and spent the afternoon watching the Rockies play the Braves. My goal that day was to find one other Detroit Tiger fan in that stadium. And as I was walking out, here comes a guy with the Old English D on his T-shirt. We made instant friends, which is, which is great. Um, but again, more, more of a Tiger fan, good walk-off home run last night. And what I love about, about baseball is that, you know, they've been playing it for over 100 years. And how many games a day? It seems like a never-ending season, right? And they keep all the records and all the stats, but it seems like there's always some new record or something new happening that's never happened before. And that happened this past April, probably something that, that many of you remember, something that never happened before. Happened in Baltimore, Camden Yards. If you remember back to April, that's when there were riots going on in, in Baltimore, right around the stadium, and they canceled two games with the White Sox, and, and they wanted to get that third game in, and they did, but they, they said, we'll play the game, but no fans allowed. So this is a picture of the game going on. A little grainy, but you can see there's nobody in the seats. The fans are, or the, the players are playing baseball, and the stadium is empty, except for a few employees of both teams and a few photographers. Strange, strange sight. Never happened before. And so, so everything that happens in a baseball game that makes people, you know, thousands of people rise to their feet and scream happened in this game. But the first inning, Chris Davis hits a, hits a bomb, a home run. There he is hitting his home run. Nobody's cheering. Nobody stands up and high-fives their neighbor. In fact, they said the ball landed in the outfield seats. Nobody ran over it, and nobody took it home as a souvenir because there's nobody there. So a baseball game without fans is a lot like God without our worship. Right? God is doing great things Nonstop. He's doing great things in our lives. He's doing great things in, in our community around us. He's doing great things in the world. And, and those great things that God does, those home runs that he keeps hitting, deserve to be celebrated. They deserve a whole community of people gathered to recognize his greatness and to celebrate who he is and what he has done and what he is doing. God deserves a worldwide stadium of fanatics celebrating him. And that's why we gather together here as the community of God. Right? If you were here last week, you realized that we, we started by asking the question of why in the world we gather together as a church community. Why do we, why do we come together in this community called Ivan Rest Church when honestly sometimes it'd be easier just to have a personal relationship with God, just me and God, right? Not to mess with other people in community. But we saw God's design for each one of us. We were created for community. You and I were made to be together. And through this community called the church, through this gathering of people who learn to care for and about each other with God at the center, God said, through this community, he will bless us. And through this community, 
he will bless the world all around us. And if we choose to abandon community, then like Cain, our wish to be separate from each other will become our punishment. We were made to share life together. So for the next few weeks, we're going to look at the things that we are called to do together in this community. We ended last week by by looking at a picture of community that God gives us in Acts chapter 2, that that first century church that gathered and shared life together. And we're going to use their model, realizing it's not perfect, but we're going to use their model over the next few weeks to help us understand what we're still called to do in community together today. So I want you to start this morning by, by just hearing again that picture of the first century church in Acts chapter 2. And, and if you want to close your eyes and listen and just imagine what, what it was like for them. And maybe imagine what God is asking us to be when you hear their model of community. Listen to these verses from Acts chapter 2. It says, they, this first century church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I read those verses, and one thing that I can't miss is the fact that this new community centered in Jesus Christ worshiped together. They were a community that worshiped together. It's evident throughout the passage. It says they devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to meeting together daily in the temple courts. They devoted themselves to praising God together, it says. These are all acts of worship, and it's all, they're all things that they did together in community. So if we're going to become the kind of community that God designed us to be, then we're going to have to continue to learn and grow in our ability to worship together as a community. Now that doesn't mean that you can't worship alone. In fact, I, I, I want you to worship alone. I, I, that's something that, that we value. The people, the people in Camden Yards prove that you can watch a baseball game alone, right? The few people who were there, the, the employees, they watched it alone. We prove that all the time when you watch TV, you watch the Tigers in your basement all alone. You can watch baseball alone and enjoy it. You can worship alone without community, and I hope that each one of us is spending time with God, one-on-one, building that relationship, right? Talking to him, listening to him, celebrating him. Like in the Old Testament, it's proven, Daniel went to his room, shut the door, and prayed alone. Jesus himself, how many times doesn't he go off on the mountainside alone to pray? And towards the very end of his life, he he goes to that garden, leaves his disciples behind so he can meet with God alone. And so the truth is, we don't need to be in community to worship God. I was reminded of that just Monday night. Monday night was a beautiful night. The humidity had broken, and 
And so as the evening came, I decided to go for a walk. So I put on my headphones. I went for a walk. The sun set. The moon was out. The stars were beautiful. I had, I had Lecrae's worship music going in my ears. And I found myself just worshiping as I walked. And the, the, the cars going by in the street, I just kind of lost them. Other people, I, I was busy worshiping alone. Just me and God. It was a wonderful thing. So we don't need to be in this community to be able to worship God. But we do need to worship God in community. We do need the opportunity to come together and worship with fellow believers because God designed us that way and God promises us that we will experience him and we will experience the moving of his Holy Spirit in a unique way when we come together in a way that we can't experience alone. He made it clear that worship is a vital part of our life together and, and we're made alive when we worship together. It's been that way for centuries. Right? This New Testament church, this Acts chapter 2 church, didn't invent coming together for worship. But they were, they were continuing an Old Testament tradition, an Old Testament experience of worship and community. Because throughout the history of God's covenant community, worship is something that they always did together. But take out your Bibles. Turn with me to Psalm 95. Psalm 95 is our passage for today, the first seven verses. And they help us begin to understand both our calling and our opportunity to worship God in community. But let me give you just a little bit of background to this psalm before we read the first seven verses together. Almost all the psalms, this whole book of psalms, were written to be used in temple, Old Testament temple worship. But there's a, a bank of psalms that were not used in the temple. This is one of them. Many of them are called psalms of ascent. Let me explain to you what psalms of ascent are. Um, you see, the rhythm of, of Jewish religious culture was marked by a number of festivals that they celebrated every single year. And these festivals were celebrated at the temple in Jerusalem. And people from all over the country would travel to Jerusalem to be a part of these festivals, like the Passover feast, like the, the Festival of Weeks. And so, and so the roads would be filled with hundreds, really thousands of people that were going to converge on Jerusalem, all coming towards Jerusalem. Remember, they're traveling many miles on foot. And so, and so often it, was, it took them days to travel, and they'd camp along the roadside on the way. And it became, it became kind of a party. As you travel towards Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which was on a mountaintop, so you call it a psalm of ascent because they're ascending up towards Jerusalem. What they would do as they're, as they're traveling together is these large groups of pilgrims and would sing songs to each other. They would sing psalms to each other like Psalm 95. They would sing Psalm 95 as they made their way to Jerusalem to prepare themselves for the festival to prepare their hearts for worship. Right? And these psalms would celebrate God and remind them of all of God's goodness and prepare their hearts. So when they arrived in Jerusalem, they were already ready to worship. Now, a side note, we could really learn from that, couldn't we? What, what did you do to prepare to come here to worship this morning? Were you already ready by the time you came? If your family is anything like most families, you probably 
prepared by fighting with each other on the way, right? Getting ready. Come on, get moving. Time to go. We're going to be late. Or maybe you prepared by setting your fantasy football team lineup before you came, right? Maybe you prepared by checking out Facebook to know what I... Maybe there's a better way to prepare. Maybe so that you're, when you already come, you're ready to worship like they did. Anyways, when this crowd finally arrived, hundreds, thousands of people, when they arrived in the temple courtyard, in the church parking lot, they weren't talking to each other about the weather. They weren't talking about how their trip went. They weren't talking about how their favorite team did. They were singing to each other these psalms. They were singing to each other Psalm 95, inviting each other to come to worship, reminding each other of why they were there. Listen to these words, the first seven verses. Here's what they're saying to each other. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving. Extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. All right, the psalm begins with a, with a clear call to worship, right? The very first word is come. Come on, everybody. Let's go. Let's, let's go worship. Let's get to the temple. Let's go meet God and let's do this together. It's a come with me invitation. These travelers would be inviting each other to worship together. And they'd remind each other, they'd remind each other of the purpose and the heart of what they were going to do together. As fun as the journey to Jerusalem was, and I think it was really a good time for, for them as they traveled together. And as fun as it was for some of these country folk and these small town folk to go to the big city of Jerusalem, like the New York City of their country, right? As fun as it was to be there and as fun as it was for them to connect with old friends maybe that they haven't seen in a long, long time. They are constantly reminding each other that that's not what this trip is all about. That's not what they're there to do. They keep telling each other, come, let's sing for joy to the Lord. Come on, let's shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Come, let's, let's come before him with thanksgiving and song and music. Come on, our purpose is worship. Their focus is on God, right? They're all about singing for joy and giving thanks to God and singing their praise to him. That's what it's all about. It's about worship, nothing else. Okay, but the invitation doesn't stop there. Right? They not only invite each other to come and worship together, but they remind each other of their whole reason behind the trip, the whole reason why they're there. Right? They say, come, let us worship, do all these things. And then comes the word for which gives the reason for their worship. Why should we come worship? Well, verses three through five tell you. For the Lord is the great God, the king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth. The mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his. He made it. And his hands formed the dry land. Say, we're gonna, we're gonna sing. We're gonna make music. We're gonna praise. Why? Because God is great and God is doing great things. That's what worship's all about. 
It's about lifting up the name of God. It's about giving him the praise and the honor and the glory, deserving his name, because he does deserve it. So the call goes out. Come on, everybody. Come on, let's sing. Come on, let's shout. Come on, let's praise God because he deserves every bit of praise that we can give. Something great is going on here. Something worth celebrating is happening and let's do it together. But not everybody's interested in responding to that invitation, are they? You know, believe it or not, I have some friends who are not Detroit Tiger fans. I have some friends who aren't even baseball fans, and I still let them be my friends. I even have friends who are Yankee fans, but don't tell anybody, all right? Not everybody loves baseball the way that I love baseball. And there have been times when I invited people to go to a Tiger game with me, and they turned me down. Some, some poor excuse like I have to go to work, or I have school, you know. I have other people who, who have accepted my invitation, but they certainly weren't to the level of baseball fan that I was. They were there. They just kind of enjoyed the game, but their passion level wasn't really there. In fact, one time I invited somebody to come along, and they took a magazine along. Um, I got in trouble for telling that story once. I won't tell you who that was. Not everybody's interested in baseball as much as they should be, right? And not everybody's interested in God as much as they should be either. It really comes down to how well we know God determines how we will respond to this invitation. Just like how well we love baseball determines how you'll respond to the invitation to go to a game, right? So the invitation goes, come on, let's sing to God, let's worship him, let's praise him. And there's really three different responses that, that vary according to how well people know the greatness of God. Right, probably the most common response to this invitation comes from those people who don't believe God, who don't, who don't know God. They don't love God, they don't recognize him, they aren't passionate about him, so they don't have any incentive to come and praise him. They don't have any reason to come and worship him because they don't know him. So on a Sunday morning, instead of answering the call to come and worship, it sounds much more appealing to go camping instead or to go skiing, or even to mow the lawn, or maybe let's go play football, or play soccer, or, or sleeping in. All those things take priority over celebrating the Almighty God. And can you blame them? I mean, think about it. What if you are a 0% baseball fan, and I invite you to come to the game? So you want to come to the game with it, you don't care about baseball one bit, and you're going to give up a whole day to go sit there, and you're going to pay for the ticket, and you're going to pay for overpriced food that doesn't even taste that good, and it might be 90 degrees and humid, and you're going to bake in the sun all day long, or it might rain, and you've got to sit there in a rain delay, and you're going to sit cramped with a whole bunch of people you don't know and care about. Sounds like a good time to you. But if you don't like baseball, you're thinking, no, no, I'm staying home. If you love baseball, you'll come. It's the best day ever. But if you don't love baseball, you're not going. You know what the difference is? The difference is what do you know and what do you love? Oh, we are surrounded by people who, who are just going to ignore the invitation to come worship God because they don't know who God is and they don't love him. And I'm talking about, I'm talking about really knowing his goodness and knowing his grace and knowing how much he loves you and, 
what sacrifice he was willing to make to come into relationship with you. And these are our neighbors, the people right next door to us. These are our coworkers, the people we spend time with every day. These are our, our friends. These are, for some of us, these are our family members, people we love. There's people in your life right now who are turning down the invitation. And it's our privilege to introduce them to God. It's our privilege to help them get to know who this great God is and how much God loves them and cares about them and wants to be in relationship with them. And it's our great privilege to invite them to come and worship and celebrate together. But the first response to this invitation is to ignore it. Because we don't know who God is, so why would we come? The second response comes from those of us who, who come to the celebration, but, but we don't really worship while we're there. Right? We know enough about who God is to bring us to the celebration. We know that we should be here. We know he's the great God. We know he created all things. But we don't know him well enough to really love him. We don't know him well enough to truly get into this whole worship bit. These are people who are casual fans of God. And maybe if we're honest, a lot of us come here on a Sunday, and we probably had to put ourselves into this camp on certain Sundays. We're casual fans of God. We know God well enough to know that he is God and that we should accept his invitation, but we miss the whole point when we come here. Right? We, we don't really come here to sing and to shout and to give praise and, and to celebrate him with music and song. Sometimes we're just here to meet our friends. Our friends are here. And so we're going to come because it's the one chance we get to meet them. Or maybe we're here to be entertained, to hear how good the music is. Maybe we're here to have something to talk about over Sunday lunch. We can critique the, the sermon. We come to church, but we find reasons not really to worship. We're kind of wallflowers watching others celebrate, but never joining in ourselves. You know, it's, it's those who not only know of God, but it's those who truly know him as their God who are able to truly worship and celebrate. Right? When, when you truly know God as your God, when, when, when you know all that he's done and how much he loves these people who know God intimately, they, when they step into the presence of God, they cannot help but sing for joy at what he's done in their lives. They can't help but shout aloud when they remember the awesome gift of their salvation that he's given. They can't help but give thanks to him for his power and grace in their lives in the good times and all the blessings that he's poured, but even in, in the difficult, challenging times of life. They see God's grace, even then, caring for them and, and full of compassion and goodness to them. They can't help but celebrate because they have been invited to come and be with the great God, the king above all gods. They're with the God of heaven and earth, the God of all power, of all majesty, of all glory, of all holiness, and they can't imagine stepping into his presence and not celebrating, not singing, not praising. And if these Old Testament believers who sang Psalm 95 to each other first 
If they had reason to sing and shout and praise, we as New Testament believers have even more because we have Jesus. They were hoping for the covenant promise to come through. We have it. Jesus came and he lived and he died and he rose again. He opened the door to heaven wide by God's grace and by salvation that was earned at the cross. If they had reason to celebrate and worship, we have even more. And when we truly know Jesus, when we know who he is and what he's done, our praise will not only be great and marvelous and big, but our worship will also be extremely intimate. Verse six gives us a second invitation, right? Verse one starts by saying, come, let's praise, let's shout. Verse six says, come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. God wants to be in relationship with us. And so this great God who's out there and up there and filled with greatness and majesty, he comes right here to this place. This is where he said he'd come, into this community. He comes to this place to be with us, the community he loves dearly. So yes, sing, praise, shout, raise your hands, whatever it is. But we also come and quietly bow and kneel. Why? Verse 7 tells us. Because he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the flock under his care. Why? Because he loves us. We gather in community to worship because he is our God, ours. And we bow and kneel before him because we are his people. Did you catch that? He is ours. We are his. It's an intimate relationship with God that brings us to this celebration. The celebration out there, but the celebration right here. Right here, in a personal way, together. He invites us to worship together as his community, the the flock under his care. Because together, when our When our faith is weak and our doubts are strong, when we find moments that we cannot sing the words to the songs, when we cannot praise the songs of others, the songs of this community will remind us of the truth and will carry us through those times when we can't sing. And when we're together, when, when we feel unloved, it's this community that's called to tell each other of God's love and to live that love to each other. And together, when we can't find the words to pray because we're struggling with our relationship with God, then the words of this community will pray for you and with you. And together, when we feel like we don't have a place to belong, when we feel lost and alone, when we don't feel like the family of God that we belong, this community is called to say, yes, you do belong right here in this part of the family of God. And on the other side, together, when our faith is strong, when we are on that spiritual high, then in this community, maybe God's placed you there to carry somebody else who isn't so strong at that moment. We come to worship together. And God invites you this morning to take your place in this worshiping community, to learn to worship 
together. Right, the, the last line of verse 7 that I didn't read. You've given all these invitations. Come, come. The last line of verse 7 says, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And it goes on to tell a story of when the people of Israel hardened their hearts against God. We have this invitation, come and worship. And sometimes we harden our hearts. We harden our hearts against God. And sometimes we harden our hearts against this community. And we fail to come to worship. And our hearts need to be softened. Softened to receive and recognize God as the great God. Softened to recognize each other as the community that God loves. As broken as we might be. As faulty and flawed as we might be. This is still the community of God called to worship together. So come. The ancient invitation still goes out. Come. Come and together let's sing and shout our praise to God. Come and together let's bow and kneel and meet him here. Come. And let's do this together as the people that God loves. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for the invitation to come into your presence. You, the great God above all gods, king of all gods, so, so far beyond us, so much more than us. You are holy, you are good, you are powerful, you are perfect. And yet you call us to come into your presence. You invite us to come and worship because you love us. And you are tender. And you are kind. Father, welcome us into your presence. And give us hearts that know you and love you enough. That when the invitation comes, we say yes. Because there's no place we'd rather be. There's nothing else we'd rather do. Than to sing, to celebrate, to kneel and to bow, and to be in your presence with the people that we care about and love together. So Father, soften our hearts. Remind us not just in this hour on a Sunday morning, but throughout all of our lives, remind us of your love for us and your goodness and your grace. Overwhelm us, Father. Overwhelm us with you so that we will answer your call to worship as individuals and as a community. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Worship team, would you come on up please again? And the rest of you, would you if you're able, would you stand with us please? We're gonna sing a song of response. It's a song about being overwhelmed by God's goodness. And that's what it takes to worship, right? Hearts that are so filled with God that we can't help but praise. We can't help but celebrate. We can't help but give him all the glory that he deserves. So I hope this song is true for you. That when you reflect on God, when you have your eyes and your ears open to him, when your heart is not hard, you're overwhelmed by him. Let's sing this together.